You're listening to True North with Pastor Gary Cottle of Gary Cottle Ministries on today's edition. I've heard discouraged preachers get up and make comments like this. Well, God's just not saving them like he used to. Don't get around me and talk that negative garbage to me, please, sir. Because God is not done yet. Can I get an amen, church? God is still alive and well and working wonders amongst the people of God in spite of the wreck and the ruin of the culture in which we are surrounded. Amen. With everything that's been going on around us in the world, it can be easy to feel rather pessimistic about things as a believer. Unfortunately, there are some who even go so far as to assume that God is no longer working on restoring humanity. However, as Pastor Gary will teach you in his message today, nothing could be further from the truth. In his study, you'll be reminded that no matter what sort of disarray, chaos, or evil you may see around, God is doing a mighty and wondrous work. Now, here's Pastor Gary in Habakkuk chapter 1 as he begins his message, Welcome to a Work of God. Habakkuk chapter number 1, verses 1 through 5, we begin reading now. The Bible said, The burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. O Lord, how long shall I cry? Thou wilt not hear. Even cry out unto thee of violence, and thou wilt not save. Why doest thou show me iniquity, and cause me to behold grievance? For spoiling and violence are before me, and there are that raise up strife and contention. Does that sound familiar today, America? Verse 4, Therefore the law is slacked, judgment doeth never go forth, for the wicked doeth compass compass about the righteous. Therefore wrong judgment proceedeth. God help us. Verse 5, Behold ye among the heathen, and regard. This is the Lord speaking now. Verses 1 through 4 was Habakkuk's prayer. Verse 5, the narrative changes. God is speaking. Behold ye among the heathen, and regard, and wonder marvelously, for I will work a work in your days, which ye will not believe, though it be told you. And today my assignment is to preach to you on welcome to a work of God. Welcome to a work of God. He said, Behold ye among the heathen, and regard and wonder marvelously, for I will work a work, not just in anybody's day, but in your days. What days? The days of peril that Habakkuk was praying about the days when judgment was descending upon the nation of Israel for their great sins, the day in which righteousness was not in charge and the wicked ruled and everyone did that which was right in his own eyes and the wicked ganged up against the just. It sounds just like what we're walking through in today's world. And yet God says, I'm going to do something So magnificent, so marvelous, so wonderful that you're not even going to believe it if I told you about it. 
the notion that we get is when we see so much wreckage and ruin in our culture and in our society, the notion is that, well, the church has seen her best days. The notion is that our nation has seen its prime time and now we're in decline and we're heading towards a cliff and towards destruction for which we will never be able to recuperate. The idea and the notion is that we can become so overwhelmed by the wickedness that is on every side that we soon forget that even in the midst of our years and even in the midst of our tears and in our trouble and our trial that God is still doing a great work in the land. Just because you don't see the work and just because you don't understand the work and just because you don't believe that it is a work of God does not mean that God is working. I've I've heard discouraged preachers get up and make comments like this. Well, God's just not saving them like He used to. Don't get around me and talk that negative garbage to me, please, sir. Because God is not done yet. Can I get an amen, church? God is still alive and well and working wonders amongst the people of God in spite of the wreck and the ruin of the culture in which we are surrounded. Amen. God wants you to know that He is nowhere near done yet, that He has got a work that He's going to do, and He's going to do it in spite of all the junk that's going on in this world today. What we need to learn how to do is trust God and believe God in spite of it all and know that God is still on the throne, that the gospel still saves, and He still loves sinners, and He can still reach down to the lowest point and drag people up out of the muck and out of the mire and establish their goings and put their feet on a solid rock. He can still turn lives around. He can still deliver the addict from his addiction. He can still deliver the liar from his propensity to tell lies. He can still even save a politician, believe it or not. God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above of all that we could ask or think according to his riches. Amen. According to what he is able to do and not what we are able to do. I come to remind you that we need to look to God and not look to our trouble for answers. Don't draw your conclusions based upon the optics, based upon what you observe and see with your natural eye. If you if you if you're not careful, you'll end up uh, uh, missing what it is that God wants to do in our day. Amen. I want to quickly give you a few things of, on what happens when God works. What happens when God works. Number one, I want to give you this. God works with unlikely people. Amen. <laughs> God works with unlikely people. He said, behold ye among the heathen. He didn't say, now back up Habakkuk. I got this fine group of Christians over here that's going to save the world. That's not what he said. He said, what I want you to know is I'm working even amongst the heathen. I'm working even amongst the people that don't know me. I'm bigger than the box that you have put me in. Somebody say amen. And I'm telling you, he said he will do a work among the heathen. And the Bible said in verse 6 of our text, chapter 1, verse 6, For lo, I will raise up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation. He described these people in verse 7 as a terrible and dreadful people. And I understand the context is that God was raising up the Chaldeans to bring judgment on the nation of Israel for their national sins. But my point and my application that I want to draw from that is is that God will use all kinds of people. 
And I don't want you to disqualify yourself or anyone else from being an instrument in the hands of Almighty God. Because it don't matter how messed up we are, isn't that what grace is for? I mean, grace changes everything. If it were not for the grace of God, couldn't none of us claim anything. But God's grace is what brought us out. And God's grace is what does anything in the midst of this crooked and then this perverse generation. And you need to understand that when God starts working, He always works with people that's you and I would think would be the most unlikely people for him to use. If you don't believe that, you need to look no further than the book of Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1 where the Bible says this, and you hath he quickened. (laughs) That's a big you. I mean, think about it. How many of you could testify if God could save me, he could surely save anybody. Amen. I mean, and you hath he quickened. You don't need to look no further than the mirror than to believe that God will use anybody. Amen. Don't think that you're better than other people. Amen. Listen, we're all sinners and we all fall short. And the fact that God even uses any of us is just nothing short of a miracle in and of itself. He said, You hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and in sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh. Y'all remember them days? God help us, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of even as others but God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us even when we were dead in sins hath quickened us that's he made us alive together with Christ by grace ye are saved and hath raised us up and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Then skip to verse 8. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, in case you thought you did it. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I took the time to read it to remind you that we have no bragging rights outside of Jesus Christ. Amen. And I want you to encourage people that even have the slightest hint that God might be able to use them. Don't you be that negative person that says, well, God will never use you, not after what all you've done and not after all that you have said and not after wherever you have been. You better not tell anybody that God can't use them because the second you do, God will raise them up and use them just to spite you and to prove to you that He's God and He can use them whosoever he will amen God is the one that qualifies any of us to serve him by his blood and by his righteousness I I, I don't bring to you a great talent as a preacher I bring to you somebody that was broken down before God scooped me up off the bottom and whatever I am today I am by the grace of God and that alone and I'm telling you today that's the same for you and anybody else so don't lose hope that God can use Anybody, because God starts with unlikely people. Amen, church? Glory to God. That's what happens when God begins to do a work. But not only that, number two, God works with unbelieving preachers. (laughs) Oh, look at your text, verse 5 again. I will work a work in your days, which ye... He's talking to Habakkuk. Which ye will not believe, though it be told you. I thought Habakkuk was more spiritual than that, didn't you? 
Amen. And you think I'm more spiritual than I am. Newsflash. Amen. Don't you put Gary Caudill up on a pedestal because the second you do, God will humble me in front of you so you lose your confidence in me and put it back in Him. I don't need that, please. Keep me, keep me down there. If you want to put me up on anything, put me up on your prayer list because I need your prayers. And that's the same thing for any of us. We can't claim anything. We can't say that we've done anything. We can only say that God is the one working in our midst. And God will even use unbelieving preachers. Listen, I remember I got saved in a little church called Billings Hill Baptist Church out in the middle of the country there in Trap Hill, North Carolina. I mean, they probably had an average of 20 in attendance max. And we didn't have the greatest talent. We're just a little country church. Amen. The preacher was uneducated. He did the best he could. He wasn't the greatest orator. I respect him. I love him. And I thank God for him. But there was nothing that that church could brag about other than the fact that they knew how to pray and they believed God at his word. And you know what God did? God used that least unsuspecting little church to reach the Caudill family. Amen. And one day we come to church like we did any other day and God scooped up and saved me and my two brothers all in one Sunday. And God put us in the ministry all from a place where you would argue, even say, you, you might even say of that preacher, you know what, that's not the greatest preaching I've ever heard. Amen. Have you ever heard a preacher you thought, well, my Lord, they need to find somebody else. Don't raise your hand. <laughs> but you're thinking about somebody right now. But you know, sometimes we're heavily critical even of people in leadership. But let me remind you of something. Preachers are people too. And they're doubters. We don't always have great faith. Oh, we put on a good show. We're good cheerleaders sometimes. We'll, we'll fan your flame, but then sometimes we'll go home and we'll cry ourselves to sleep because we don't know how in the world God is going to do it. We don't want to mislead our people into believing God for something then for them to be disappointed because he didn't. Now, we have fears and we have concerns of our own. You need to understand something. In spite of our inadequacies, in spite of our deficiencies, in spite of our imperfections, God uses even unbelieving preachers. Amen? And I thank God today that he don't wait for perfect conditions to move in our midst. I thank God that he looked down on our midst and said, you know what? If I don't do it, it won't get done. So I'm going to step down in a robe of flesh. I'm going to become one of them and then I'm going to do it. And I'm going to pull them out of this mess. And it'll be because of what I did, not what they did. Amen. When God works, He'll use preachers that are doubtful. He'll use people that are not so confident in their leadership capabilities, but He'll use them nonetheless, and He will work with them. Listen, I know God wants you to believe Him, and I don't discount that. I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. But have you ever heard the prayer that was prayed in the New Testament? Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. Have you ever been to that point in your life where you knew that to believe God, you knew to trust God, but there was something on the inside that was nagging you, just seemed like there was a doubt that you just simply didn't know how to overcome. You wanted to believe God, but you didn't know that you could. Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. Let me tell you something, when God gets to working, He is even bigger than your unbelief. Amen? The Bible said in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 13, If we believe not, yet He abideth faithful. He cannot deny Himself. Amen. I'm glad that there's so much that God is doing in our life that He's bigger than even our doubts. Amen. I want to say this while we're talking about God using unbelieving preachers and unbelieving people. I want to say this. There is so much that God is doing in this world today that we have not been trained nor allowed to see as a God thing. Amen. 
Amen. As a proud Baptist, we're often highly critical of other denominations. So much to the point that we stink with pride, assuming that God is not even working over there in that church because this or because that. You want to know what the truth is? We're all messy and we all need grace. And God's, I like what uh, Mark Lowry said, he spreads grace like a three-year-old spreads peanut butter. He gets it all over the place. <laughs> amen. Ain't that good? Oh, I'm telling you, you're going to find out that God has people, amen, all over the place. And we better not be so critical of them that we discount them as one of God's people that God's using in that part of the kingdom of God. Amen, church. I'm telling you right now, we better swallow our pride and, and, and learn how to walk in humility and just thank God that any of us are saved and trying to serve God at all. Amen. Have you ever seen God do something or you someone that you were shocked and surprised that he did or used? I have. <laughs> it started with a mirror. Amen. I'm shocked that God uses me at all. I'll just be honest with you. But I thank God that he does, and I want him to continue to do that. But I also want you to have the confidence to know that God is bigger than your setbacks, and he still wants to use you for his glory. Amen. John ten sixteen, Other sheep I have, Jesus said, which are not of this fold. Did you know Jesus got other peeps that you don't know about? Amen. God has other people that you don't even know about. Amen. Now, they got to be saved the same way. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. They got to believe in the blood of Jesus. They got to repent of their sin. Amen. I'm not preaching uh, uh, this one world religion thing. That's not at all what I'm saying. We better go by the blood or we don't go at all, right? You hear what I'm saying? And we're going to learn how to worship God together in heaven if we don't learn how to worship Him down here. And some of you need to get in good practice because if you don't like to worship down here, you're going to be miserable in heaven. God help your soul. Amen. I'm telling you, we need to know that God will use unlikely people and God will even use unbelieving people and even unbelieving preachers. But it's, it's to the point that he wants to bring us to full assurance of faith. I want to say it this way. He will work with you through your struggle to lead you and to guide you into all truth. Amen. He's patient. He's like a loving father. He's going to be patient with you. He's going to teach you. And when you stumble and fall, he's going to pick you back up again. He's going to dust you off. He said, now let's try it this way this time since you didn't listen to me the last time. Amen, church. Uh, and God is going to be like a father to you and he will lead you and he will guide you in all truth so that you come to the point to where you can and and do believe God. He wants to build up your most holy faith. But he's so big that he can work even without your faith. Amen. He can get you to that point. I don't know who that's for, but somebody's struggling to believe God. And they might be somebody borderline between saying yes to Jesus or continuing to live your own life. And you're struggling to even put your faith in Jesus. You've heard all the naysayers. You've heard what they've said to try to discredit the Bible. And you don't even know if you believe there's a God. But let me tell you something. Even in the midst of your doubt, God is ever pursuing you. And he's not going to let you go down without a fight. If you'll learn to listen for the voice of God, he'll speak to you. And he'll give you the sweet assurance that you need. Did you know that when he saved you, even the faith that you have is a faith that he gives? Amen. He even gives you the faith to believe. How do you know that, preacher? Well, the Bible says it this way. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. You can't even have faith until you're exposed to that book. And who gave us that book? None other than the Lord God Jehovah. 
through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, using men who were authors under His inspiration. Amen? And God will work with you in your doubt to get you to a point of belief, to get you a point to where you can believe God. Uh, uh, Paul wrote to the Romans and said, I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end you may be established. And that's what God's doing. He's working with you to the end that you may be established in your faith. He said that is that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith both of you and me. Paul was essentially saying I need to strengthen my faith as much as you need to strengthen your faith. And sometimes if God counted on me to have the kind of faith to move mountains, well, that mountain will just stay put. I'm just being honest. But if you need a faith boost, get in the Word of God. You believe it, you read it till you believe it. I say it this way, if you read the Bible long enough, it'll make a believer out of you. Amen, it will. It'll make a believer out of you. You say, I read it once and didn't do nothing for me. You didn't read it long enough. Amen. And plus, you don't know how, how, how deep that seed was sown and what God might activate that seed later in your life and you don't even have a clue what God's got inside of you right now. Amen. That word done planted so deep inside of you. Amen. You can't get away from a God that wants to save you. Praise God. Listen, He's going to, He'll go near and far to save such as call on His name. Right, church? Amen. Listen, God will use people who are not only unlikely to be used, but unbelieving people. I got to move. Number three, God works in unruly places. Don't discount the fact that God might be working in the midst of a chaotic location. In our text, Habakkuk 1.13, Thou art of purer eyes. This is Habakkuk uh, talking to the Lord, praying to the Lord. And he said, Thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil, and canst not look on iniquity. Wherefore, lookest thou upon them that deal treacherously, and holdest thy tongue when the wicked devoureth the men that is more righteous than he. Uh, Habakkuk is saying, Hey God, look, uh, these people are wicked, and they're doing wicked things to your righteous people and you're not saying a word about it you're not stepping in and you're not saving the day and I want to know what's up with that have you ever wondered why God don't sometimes step in and intervene and stop the wicked from doing their wicked things amen I mean I've been thinking along those lines for a long time now I'm not, I consider myself to be a young man I'm only 42 to some of these kids I'm, I'm an aged one <laughs> but they'll learn 42 is pretty young right now listen to me. We wonder why. God, why would you let these people just go on and on? It seems like they're never going to face judgment. It seems like there's nobody to hold them accountable. You just hold on. We ain't to the end of this message yet. Amen. But we wonder, don't we? We, we question. We're human. We're just like Habakkuk. We're doubting because we don't understand what God is doing or what God's not doing or why He's not doing it. But the truth is, God is doing a work even in unruly places. Look, he said, verse 14, uh, these people, they make men as the fish of the sea, as the creeping things that have no ruler over them. Basically saying these political powers are treating people like they're commodities. And isn't that the way it is today? 
They treat us like we're commodities. If, if you can't improve their bottom dollar, they're not interested in you. You're like a number to these wicked people that rule in so many places in the world today. And the Bible said they take up all of them with the angle. They catch them in their net and gather them in their drag. Therefore, they rejoice and are glad. He said, Lord, not only are they doing it, but they're having a good time doing it. They're acting like they don't have a care in the world and they actually enjoy making our lives miserable. And that's the way politicians are today. They're corrupt as the day is long. Amen. Most of them, if they'd operate like NASCAR, they should wear all of the people that bought them on their shirts so we would know who sold them out. Amen. That's exactly right. And probably all of them, if not most of them, I believe there's some Christians in politics. Don't get me wrong. Buddy, it's getting hard to be a Christian and be a politician. You've been listening to True North with Pastor Gary Cottle. If you enjoyed today's message, we invite you to subscribe to True North on your favorite podcast app. Be sure to share these with your friends and family, too. This could be a great way to start a conversation about Christ and study the Word together. If you have any questions about what you heard today or would like to request prayer, please get in touch with Pastor Gary by emailing contact at garycoddle.com. That's contact at gary, C-A-U-D-I-L-L.com. True North is a ministry of Gary Cottle Ministries. You can find out more by visiting our website, garycoddle.com. Would you like to come worship with Pastor Gary? Simply visit GaryCuddle.com for more details on where he pastors and how you can plan a visit. If you're not in the area, we still encourage you to find a local church body where you can learn from God's Word and spend time with other believers. It will be a place for you to grow in faith, find support, and serve in ways you are uniquely designed to. With that, our time with you has come to a close today. Join Pastor Gary next time for more right here on True North.